All right, welcome back to My Brother's Deeper, a podcast about two brothers. One lives in England, one lives in Los Angeles, for now. One's a pastor, one's a writer. My name's Josh Mayhall. My name's Jason Mayhall. And this is the My Brother's Deeper. And today we're going to dive into the deep end of our mother and talk about who we love who we absolutely love that is that should be said so we're going to start at the beginning our mother was the oldest of three and her mom mom and dad i think we've talked about this before mom and dad were from two different places one her father grew up in brooklyn new york her mother grew up sort of outside milwaukee wisconsin and they met because our grandmother was a stewardess. That's what they called them back in the day. Now they call them flight attendants. She was a stewardess. I don't know what airline that was. I could probably find that out. It was probably one of those that got bought up. That's how they met. Our grandfather was in the military and then got out and he was a salesman. and He sold pharmaceuticals for a long time. And whatever job he had in the early 50s sent him to Peru south america and that's where our mother was born and our aunt who was two years younger than our mother so she lived there for three years till she was three and there was some weird things going on in peru i thought really i don't know how much you know but there was a time where i was able to ask our grandmother her name's uh jacqueline Shannon, who recently passed, time when mom was living in Texas, and we went, she came down, our grandmother came down to Texas. I don't know if you had moved, I think you might have moved already to, back to Ruston, Louisiana, but she came down to visit mom. But wasn't that the trip you guys came over with her? I think you guys came to Ruston. Oh, okay, yeah, so you were there. Yeah. So she came down, and we drove – we went down to Fredericksburg. I don't know if you've ever been down there. It's the German area, uh, Texas, that's – it's west of Austin. It's in the hill country, and there's all a group of German people who moved into Texas. I don't know if you know the history of Texas, but Texas used to be part of Mexico. We all know that, but back in the early 1800s, uh, white people wanted to settle it like they do, and they there was a huge sect of German people living in Missouri that came down to Texas for land, and they settled in that area of Fredericksburg, and that's where the good German beer comes from. <laughs> if you had Texas German beer like like uh, Scheinerbach, you've had that. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, all that sort of lineage of. There's another beer. I forget the name of it. It's, it's made in Fredericksburg, but it's a sort of German lager beer. And that's kind of where the Mexican beer came from, too, is German beer, German lagers, you know, like Modelo and uh, Tecate and all that. Yeah. yeah, that's all German from Germans. So anyway, we went to that area and stayed there, and I sort of started questioning her about – because I didn't know much about Peru. That's weird. Like you tell your – people that your mom's born in peru and they go what yeah. you know that's a strange thing so yeah so he was i i for a minute there i thought he was in the cia 
Why? Just because of the because there was no there was not a lot of info, and he was building like so the story that I that I did know, and I got some of this from Uncle Tim early on, and his story is like weird. It wasn't much, but it was about our grandfather going off into because they lived in Lima. And he would he was offer he our grandfather would go off into the interior of Peru for months. And he was building a airfield out there. And I thought, who build who builds airfields other than CIA people in foreign countries? Was this like in his role as still pharmaceutical salesman? Yeah, apparently they were. Yeah, and why would you like? What would you be doing in a South American country selling pharmaceuticals? Well, I mean, I guess I always thought that it was a really large company. Like I never knew what the name was, but if it's a fairly large company and they've got sales teams around the world, that potentially he was part of the sales team and that just part of the world. Yeah. So we'll just go with that. He worked for a pharmaceutical <laughs> company. Maybe maybe it had some government ties. I don't know. But yeah, so my, so grandmother's point of view, our grandmother's point of view was she was kind of a bitter woman. She's I don't tough. know if you know this. She's tough. Yeah, tough. and um, but, Yeah, I think that's a good word. I mean, I think my overall recollection of her in the time that we spent, which, you know, we is not a ton – but that um, she wasn't necessarily happy with the life that she was handed, that she really didn't want to be a housewife and a mom, quite frankly. And like real quick, I think my um, understanding and recollection of our grandparents meeting was always that they actually met on a blind date. So I could don't know, be. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't know how that happened necessarily, is. but I know that they met on a blind date and she. You know, as a stewardess, you're like, okay, well, that's you got to have some adventure to do that. So that's probably who she was or thought herself to be. And then whatever happened, happened. And I don't think she necessarily was always happy about it. And that seemed to be fairly known in the family, right? Yeah. Yeah. So her point of view about their time in Peru was that, like I said, our grandfather was gone most of her pregnancy with mom. Okay. He wasn't around. He was like out in out in the interior of Peru built overseeing the building of that air airfield. Mm. So she was a bit bitter about that. He wasn't around and he wasn't around for Sharon's birth as well. And then they moved back to Brooklyn for a while. And that's when they had uncle Tim. Okay. And then the same things happened as well. He wasn't around at night. Like he was going out at night drinking doing stuff and like wasn't around early on and she was kind of bitter about that we found out later i I think you know this that he he was married before he married our grandmother and had a kid yes that that's a relatively recent revelation like within the last what five years or so yeah so mom is really into it like wants to meet that person i can imagine because it was a daughter it was another daughter and no one else in the family, her, her other siblings are like, I don't want to know her. Right. Which, so which is, kind of, is kind of par for the course for them, right? Because they, yeah. they, I think it's fair to say they barely want to know the family that they are aware of. <laughs> you know, I had this, I had putting together last week's last episode, there's this big chunk where we talk about them when we're in Colorado and it, 
it sounds really it makes them look bad and i almost cut it out like i thought man that if they're listening to that they're gonna and i thought who cares well because like i feel as i feel like um i mean i don't know if this is possible but i i guess i feel as as kind of neutral towards them as I, i i possibly could expect myself to do like i have i have zero guilt or shame or whatever towards them or or harbor any bitterness towards them like i don't fault them necessarily but it is what it is like they they're not a very you know compassionate <laughs> loving open family and i think that's that's bared itself out because we just don't really have a relationship with them, you know yeah they're just a tough tough crowd because like one last time i saw in sharon i went and visited her in new mexico they were living in albuquerque and my girlfriend at the time was with me and we went to see her and Sam. And Sam is her husband, who who's really cool. And you know, he brews beer, and he's always like doing stuff. Have you you've never had it? You've never met him, right? I never met him. Seen pictures. No, he's a me. really nice man, really cool, and yeah. yeah, he made this Scottish ale. Really? They were still living in Denver area, and I went out there for Christmas. We were out, we all got together at grandma's. Uncle Tim's there. Uncle Tim's second wife, which who you never met. <laughs> we were all there. He made this Scottish ale and brought it. It was good, man. Really? Yeah, I was so impressed. This guy's anyway. That's off the subject. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, they don't want to meet the other daughter, but anyway, so they had they eventually moved to New Jersey from Brooklyn, and that's where mom grew up. And so, do you have any sort of understanding of how soon they got pregnant with mom from when they were married i don't but i do have the feeling that it could have been a shotgun wedding yeah well it definitely was yeah if it wasn't before they were married when they got pregnant it was very soon after because it, you, you just get the sense that like that was a whole part of, of of the bitterness and the deal behind her of just like Wait a minute. Now I'm married. Now I've got a kid. Now my husband's not around. Like, in some sense, like I get it. Like, I'd I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty tiffed too, you know. Yeah. The the notion that I got too from Grandma's point of view was that Grandpa got into a situation where he was like, oh crap, I'm married to this woman. Now I have three kids, and he, you know, he wasn't necessarily that into her. And that was back in the day when you didn't get divorced. Right. You just stuck with it. and. Well, particularly, I mean, this is the irony of it, right? Because part of the reason that was the case, I think, was you mentioned grandpa and grandma growing up in two different places. They also came from two completely different backgrounds, even religiously. So he was a strong, came from a strong Irish Catholic background, which definitely frowned upon any sort of divorcing but the irony is maybe he just thought not so much i can't get divorced but maybe i, I can't get divorced again maybe that yeah. you know is the it's, stigma of gosh he did i mean that's the craziness because like if you knew our grandfather like he is he, he was a really kind man like he was a gentleman you know it seemed like to me and always felt like he had a lot of time for us when we were around him 
which wasn't very often, but it's hard to kind of think of him as a young man kind of getting in those situations. Yeah, we have no idea what happened with that first marriage. Maybe he was super in love and things went sideways and I don't the thing is I don't know if that's true because he had no contact with that with that that kid he had. Not that I know of. Maybe he did. Right, who knows? I mean we don't know anything. The only the, all this information is coming through um a lady named Aunt Mildred. Who mom was close to or kept kept in contact with right. a lot over the years. And she was a cousin of our great-grandmother, our mother's grandmother. Right. I think she was, Who, yeah, I think she was a, I want to say a first or second cousin of our great-grandmother, which would make her either a second or third cousin of our grandfather. Yeah, so our great, who our great-grandmother we met once, who lived in New Jersey. We used to talk to her on the phone. And we, there's a funny story about, you know, when we were really young, we were babies. Our grandmother, great grandmother, would call and say, "How's Jansen and the other one?" That's right. I, I was the other one. If you didn't, <laughs> do you uh, remember why she said the other one? Yeah, something about Josh being a certain. It was too. Name. It was too. It was too Jewish of a sounding name. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that true? That that's the reason I don't. That's what I remember. No, it's like so. It's like Josh, a popular Hebrew name. Well, he's a pretty big figure in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right. I know the story, but like I didn't know. I don't know a lot of Jewish people named Josh. Well, I don't know a lot of Jewish people. So. Well, I mean, I would I would think Joshua is a popular name regardless if you're Jewish or not, but it comes from a Jewish heritage. So I think I can see why she would think it was a Jewish name. It's another story. Where, where, how we got our names? Because you apparently got your name from Jason the Argonauts. Dad had it. This is the thing when we talk about we'll do a podcast on Dad as well, and Dad was full of shit. Come on! <laughs> Look, I love him, man. I have fond memories of him, but he was he was a gift of gab guy, and like when you come in contact with those people, there's some. You know, there's some people, there's some things that they just kind of take liberties with. No, no, no. I think you're right. I think it would be interesting, obviously, to talk about him, too. Um, but so like going back with mom, even when you say like our mom was born in Peru, like it almost makes it sound super exotic and, and stuff. It wasn't like they were lily white. Like they were they, they were just happened to be down in Peru, apparently, for grandpa's job. And then it was like a blip on the map. I mean, they were back in the U.S. and. So I don't know a lot about that time other than I do remember, you know, that there was this, I guess, just a sense of separation between the family. But I also remember mom, I think she has pretty, pretty clear memories of like a nanny that she was close to and had fond feelings for. Yeah, they had help. My grandma had help. Yeah, she had a lot of help. So, yeah, yeah so they end up in New Jersey. And uh, this is where things for mom get a little dicey, I think. Because her being the oldest, I don't think she really acted that part. Uh, there's a story that I learned recently that will kind of help inform who she is as an adult and like what she went through as a kid in that family. Because we said before that they weren't very affectionate and loving people. Her parents, our grandparents, they never told their kids that they loved them, rarely hugged them. But mom has this memory 
I don't know how old she was, but the memory is of her overhearing her mom talking to her dad and telling him that she can't deal with mom anymore. She was too difficult of a child that they should send her away. Yeah. What that entails, I don't know. Like, did, like send her off to a school, like a preparatory school, or give her up for I don't know how old she was, man, but she was old enough to remember that and be hurt by that. Yeah. So yeah, I always she got diff- the sense that it was sending off to another school. Right. So what, what, was she difficult? How was she difficult? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like I think there's probably a little bit of that firstborn pressure that she felt you know, to be good and to be perfect. And, and she, you know, I don't, I think she was an average student, you know, so she probably wasn't like maybe hitting certain expectations that they had she, for her. She told me recently, cause I have, I have a hard time in my life sort of describing my relationship with my mother to people <laughs> because you don't want to get into this thing where you're just like bashing your mom immediately when you meet people. But sometimes I'll describe her as like, you know, she's not you know, the smartest act in the drawer. And that could be like a bad thing to say about your mom. But I was talking well, to her recently when I went to visit her this Christmas, this past Christmas, and she admitted she brought this up, admitted to being like when she was in school, she was like she said, I, w- I couldn't get things like I would study and study and study and I would get C's. And these, and I just, she goes, I admit it. Like, I'm just not, I just don't have that intellect. She goes, you and your brother do, but I didn't have it. So she's sort of self-aware about it. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard, obviously, not knowing, not knowing her during that time. I mean, I've always kind of tried to, in one way, explain it. Like, I I feel like, I mean, this is way down the road in our history with her, but I I feel like there was a, a pretty important crossroads when we were living in Maine and she got into a car accident and I really feel like ever since that time there was a shift in regards to her just kind of ability to grasp and make sense of things and so I've kind of always gone okay yeah you know that that's kind of the reason or at least it plays a part in where she's at now now before that I don't know I mean I do know you know, she she told the story that when, you know, she was graduating high school, that grandpa's like, hey, listen, you know, you're not staying here no matter what. So you can go to a college or you can go into the military. And she chose the military because she just didn't want to study. Like she didn't want to go to school. So I knew that she it wasn't something that was her thing. And so I figured that was part of maybe the difficulty of relationship with grandma and grandpa. Yeah, I think that you you've always mentioned that that car wreck she got into, yeah. but I can only go on decisions she made before that, and they're pretty similar. Like what? I don't the thing with William, our second her second husband, the decision to get into that relationship wasn't the smartest either. You know, yeah, she but started. I but you could, I don't think you can you can pawn that off to like intelligence because how many people in this world get into those type of relationships where they're no i know i'm not saying that i'm just saying that the decision making factor in her was i think a little off maybe i mean she did some weird things when we were kids though you know like what 
<laughs> you don't remember this stuff, dude. Like the people I that I might. I might. The babysitter story that I'm gonna tell here. Oh God, I do remember some babysitting stories, but go ahead. So I must have been around three years old, maybe. No, maybe four. I wasn't in school yet, I don't think. But we had this babysitter. Uh, it turns out later he was a gay dude. And this is a small town. Yeah, you don't remember this. This is because I've told this story before, and you're like, I don't remember this. But anyway, <laughs> I don't remember his name. Mom remembers this because I brought this up to her, and she oh, was like, this yeah. the, I think I know where you're going. And there's deep shame involved. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. He was he was a babysitter, gay guy, and he would dress up in mom's clothes. Right. And I say that like he did it all the time. I just remember the one time he put on one of mom's long skirts. And we had this stereo back in the day. And he turned the stereo on, music came on, and he started dancing. And he was like twirling around. And the skirt was twirling with him. And... He's, when he was done, he he said, don't tell your mom, and I'll bring you, like, a lollipop next time. And you told. You, like, you went to mom and told. <laughs> really? Yeah. And um, mom got really pissed and told him, like, you're done. Don't ever come around here anymore. And I actually remember him coming around one more to apologize. And mom met him at the door and was like, get out of here. Go. Like was this was this guy like did he live near us like what what what's I mean, the story? I mean he had to. This is in Bastrop, so I I don't know him. I don't know. You'd, we'd have to talk to mom about it, but like who he exactly he was. But okay. yeah, so that was like a weird and like you don't. I guess you didn't vet babysitters like you do. Today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think you did, and I I think that I mean you could argue that her response was a very mature and good response and it was immediate and i i can remember loads of different babysitting situations that were not good at all but i again this might be me kind of whitewashing things but it's like i think of that time where she was a single mom was working and she probably just didn't have a lot of options you know and so there was a sense of desperation of like i'm not going to give them just to anybody but I also can't have, you know, these super high standards, if it were. So I, there's a part of me, it's like, is was that a, was that just bad, was that a bad decision making or is that desperation? And maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, that town that we lived in, there's a bunch of rednecks and what are you going to get? Because, yeah, right. well, tell a story about one of the babysitters. What is your, like, tell your story. Well, I think I just remember like the, the one that was was just more I don't know just painful. It was just there was somebody I don't know who it was. It was a lady. I remember her being overweight and she had at least two or three kids herself. And I don't know if you remember like like just from kind of the the geog- geographical map of Bastro, but you remember where the old Safeway was? You kind of remember where that kind of across from that elementary school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like right before you got to that Safeway in that elementary school, I remember taking a road to the right. All right, and it was kind of in a neighborhood that wasn't the greatest neighborhood in the world, but it was that was kind the of, neighborhood that Grant Popo used to have that house in. No, that's a different one. Bastrop's not that big, man. I know, but I mean, this is gonna bore people, but. 
that house that Popo had was near Johnny's Pizza, which was on the other side of Bastrop, near near the baseball fields. Are you sure? I thought it was like over there by like right before you got to the the Safeway. No, 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 no. No. All right, whatever. Now you could take. There was a way to get there through that, but it was geographically, it wasn't as close to Safeway as this. And Safeway is a grocery store, by the way, um, as this place was. So anyway, wasn't the greatest neighborhood. I remember this lady, and I just I remember mom dropping us off, and I just remember literally crying in the front yard as she's driving away because it just it wasn't like there was anything wrong with the place but it was uncomfortable it was it was different enough because of maybe the cleanliness and because even the darkness i remember just not being lit very well and i remember because it was in that area it was somewhat closer to the paper mill which we talked about stunk and so that had an effect on me as well of just thinking this is not a good place, you know? So that's just what I remember. I remember that. I remember being dropped off at another person's house that was an older lady who used to make us like these Kool-Aid drinks that were frozen. I remember that. She lived on the south side. That's right. Yeah. And then there was a time where we went literally across the street from her. There was, there was a, a family who lived in a trailer. And they had like two young kids and, and and they were the ones that babysat us for a long time. So I, I just remember kind of being shuffled around in those those situations. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, this is also in the context of like our dad's parents living in that town. But I guess because they both worked full time, they weren't able to watch us nearly as much as, you know, maybe most grandparents would be able to. Yeah, mom was working at the paper mill. And it was shift work, so your your shifts changed. You would work midnight shifts. You'd work you'd work third shift sometimes, first, second. You know, it all changed. And I don't know if you remember the other, that there was a girl that babysit us. She would come to our house. She lived down the street. I do remember that sort of. Yeah. Like, was her name Sharon? Something like that. Yeah. I don't remember, but she was cool. I remember, but she did tell me the, these jokes that I still remember today. And I can't repeat here. Because they're super like racist jokes, okay. yeah. but I still remember them to this day. Um, yeah, those were tough years between the marriages, and uh, like yeah, like you said, you know, mom did her best. Um, which which again, I I I look back on it and I go to some degree, you can say, well, that's what any parent would and should do, but I think she was probably informed by her own experience of not, not having a, a family that probably fought for her or not having a family that was going to do anything to keep them together and to take care of them. And so I, I, I look at her and maybe it's rose tinted glasses, but I look at her really trying to do whatever she can to support her kids. Now there was a, a time where they didn't help her. When she, you were about a year old, and, and she yeah. was pregnant with me. That's right. That's and her right. and dad got into a big fight, and he threw her out. Yeah. And she, they were living in Massachusetts then, and she went up there. They took her in for a little bit. Yeah. And but our grandfather told her, like, look, you got to go back, and you were either work this out or wh- whatever, but you never come back here. Like you're an adult now. 
Which but you know, he did also on the flip side of that, he did tell like apparently before that you know when he when Dad threw her out that which we don't know that seems pretty harsh, but Grandma didn't want her to come, and Grandpa overruled her and was like, yeah, she's a little baby and she's pregnant, yeah, she can come here. But he did tell her, you know, like, look, you got to deal with these things, and yeah, she was young when she had you. She was 21, right? Was she? Is that what it was? She was born in 53, November of 53, so you were 70, September 75, so she was 21. She was really, that's really young to have. Mm-hmm. It's probably a sign of the time. A lot of people were having kids younger then, but, and then she had to be thrown into this, this world of Louisiana, which was totally foreign to her. She used to tell the story about how, so we said earlier, mentioned earlier that our dad was a sick kid, like when he was a little baby, he had to have like heart surgery. So he was the oldest and he grew up sick and he had a really, he was really close to his mother. And mom tells this story about when they first came to Bastrop that our grandparents were sitting in the front, a grandfather was driving and then mom and dad were in the back and you with you. And she remembers our grandmother reaching back and holding our dad's hand and mom internally thinking, wow, they're super close. Like, and felt immediately outside of that. And like, I will never immediately knew that she would never be that close to dad as he is to his mother. So that sort of dynamic immediately was in play. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't even imagine what was going through her mind, you know, because you think, was she potentially looking at this new mother-in-law as a mother figure, given that her own mother was not very close to her, and then almost immediately realizing, yep, that's not working, you know? You've dealt with this, too. <laughs> yeah. With mom and your wife. Like, sure. There's been some hardships there with dealing with that dynamic of relationship you know it's always you always hear these stories and it's always it's it's similar with firstborn sons and mm-hmm. mothers and wives yeah i think i think they're definitely yeah you hear a lot of those generalities and there's there's a tough transition you know like i'm, I'm sure i mean Candace and i have even talked about one day you know what it's going to be like with our own sons I mean, we our oldest is, is is our son too, and it's like it, it it just has to be strange to think about that, you know, of another person coming into the family and trying to think of them as equal in some sense. They are a daughter or a son, and so it's like it has to be difficult. And I'm sure that knowing our our biological grandmother, she seemed like a pretty tough cookie as well, and like you said, was really close to our dad. And I don't think she had any sort of love loss for our mom. And that might be because mom was not a Southern girl, you know? And so, like you said, there are these two cultures clashing and it just probably was just really hard on both sides, but you, you would hope that the person who's older would have a little bit more maturity. And uh, it just didn't seem like that was the case. Yet another family member we don't really know a lot about. No. We could get into her, what we do know of her when we talk about dad. But so, yeah, so mom's living in Louisiana, which she's come to. It's her home now. She's lived there longer than than anywhere. But those first few years had to be pretty tough on her. 
Yeah, and, because if, being, if you're thinking, I mean, that, you, that's a great point that you brought up. She's 21 years old. So you think about a 21-year-old who, you know, has gone from, it wasn't a, um, I don't know if abusive is a, is a too strong of a word. It wasn't abusive in the, in the standpoint of, you know, physical abuse. But I, I, it seems like there was probably some emotional and, and mental abuse that she went through that she she comes out of that household and within you know a few years she's in the military and she's married and she has a kid and then she completely moves almost like to a different country i mean that was a, that's a lot of transition for somebody yeah yes it is and our upbringing she was a she was a stern Mother, very strict. We've talked about this before on how strict she was, but I think it helped. Yeah. There is a, a moral base there yeah. between right and wrong, and yeah. that she set in for us. And I, and I guess you know the church had something to do with that too. You know, it definitely seemed like it to me. I mean, I think she was grasping for for something to help her. <laughs> you know, to help her parent. And, you know, I think they went to church fairly regularly growing up. I think she split time between her mother's Lutheranism and her father's Catholicism. There definitely was a familiarity there that seemed to have brought her comfort. The thing that I wrestle with the most and think about the most is that time both our parents were in the Army. And they met and like what that was like and what were they drawn to in each other and all that stuff because – that seemed, you know, that's the inception of us right there, yeah. you know, like where we came from. And we don't know a lot about their relationship. I mean, I know that I've heard mom talk about the beginning of that relationship. I never got a chance to talk to dad about that. I mean, I do remember mom referencing similar to what you've said that, you know, dad was was kind of a charmer, a bit of a character. And, you know, kind of talk his way into and out of lots of situations. And so I got the sense that she was attracted to that, uh, attracted to his intelligence. And, you know, again, I may be totally off base here, but I think I remember her also saying that he was kind of the first guy that really ever paid attention to her. It had to be. How much experience did she have, man? No, I know. I know. So I think that in and of itself was probably intoxicating enough to be able to go, yep, this is the dude. Yeah. Also, like how much experience did dad have, really? I mean, we talked about this before. He was religious. You know, we talked about him being an atheist and all that. But like he went on church functions like I have this photo or did have this photo. I don't know if I gave it to you or got rid of it or what. But it's like a school photo, you know how like senior trips they used to go, they used to do stuff, and they went to Washington. And yeah. it, but it was, but it was a, uh, it was actually church based. Yeah, and, I think I remember seeing that, but like I don't, like I never, I, I never interpreted that as a, as like a spiritual life for him, like because because I know been, plenty man. plenty of parents who force their kids to do stuff like that. True. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not saying that he was like a Bible thumper. But, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but I just don't know what sort of spiritual base he had other than, you know, growing up in a family that made him go. Yeah. Yeah. Those first days of in the army. And just to think that they were in the army. It's like, what? Like, oh, can I you know. imagine? Like, dad became like this sort of pseudo hippie. He wasn't really a guy that went out and speaking yeah. of protests, 
but he thought of himself as like this really liberal kind of hippie guy who was into the into the music of the time and used to because you know our mom had this when she was a kid they had this this farmhouse in upstate new york they used to go to during the summers and it was really close to woodstock and she she was they were up there that summer she remembers hearing the music but didn't really know what it was about i mean she was 16 and but we you know i remember getting to a conversation with dad about that and he knew about that and he was like Oh man, if that was me, I'd be at Woodstock. Like, you, you gotta be crazy. How could you not go to that? And it's like, part of that was like, okay, at 17, yeah, were you that well informed? Maybe he was. I don't know. But from what yeah. I know, he was a super dork that read science fiction, yeah, and claimed that he was, you know, like an athlete, but he wasn't. It's like, <laughs> come on. No, I agree. I think I think there is a little bit of, uh, you know, he's retconning his uh, his origin story. Definitely. A so, yeah, but that's I, what I, I think is like, I think that these two sort of socially different people, but in a sense, kind of the same. They were probably didn't have a lot of experience with yeah. the other sex yeah. and they meet in the army and it's their first time of sort of going through something like that. And back in that Back in the day, things move and you get married, and you, you know, and maybe yeah, you were maybe you were part of a shotgun wedding. I've often thought that. Yeah, I mean, have you given any of that thought? Like when we don't know when the marriage was. So we do know when you were conceived by your birth date. So you were born in September. Yeah. So January of 75 was the inception date yeah. or so December, January. So. At what point were they married? Well, I'm pretty sure I need to go check this, but I think I've got a record of their marriage somewhere. Like I check know the I've, date on that. I will. I know I've got. Because if I've it's any time between January and September, shotgun. Well, I, I know that uh, that could be the case, but I, I I was just looking at a picture, a, a wedding picture of them, because we were going through a bunch of stuff, and I made the remark to Candace. I was like, have you ever seen um, a less joyful bride? <laughs> you can see mom's picture. And she, she, there's no smiling whatsoever. Now, again, that might be in the times because you look at some of those pictures from the 70s and no one seems to really smile in family portraits. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If it was, it was definitely early on um, in the pregnancy if that happened. But I think I've got a record of, of their Cause she's a, You're saying because she's not showing in those pictures? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've got I think I remember reading that some I can't remember what month, but I want to say it was like maybe in the summer of 74 or something like that. But I'm not 100 percent sure. OK, fair enough. But, you know, I think you bring up a good point of, you know, their kind of social experiences apart from each other, that maybe that was the common ground that that did bring them together, that, you know, they there had they to be both, something. Yeah, I mean, they both were were probably a little bit awkward, and they probably had some parental experiences they could relate to each other of like, you know, heavy-handed mom, heavy-handed mom, wanting to get away. Army's a good way to do that. You know, that could have been part of what at least at least was the basis of their friendship. Yeah, if you want to call it that. Well, I guess it's probably started that way, right, to some degree. I had no idea. 
I don't either. Yeah. Well, this is all conjecture. <laughs> I just know that dad was a pretty good shot. That's right. He was. In the Army. He was like a sharpshooter. Got a marksman award, which which is ironic because his job in the Army was like as an illustrator, right? Yeah, yeah. He was part of the paper. Right. And they missed the Vietnam because yeah. Vietnam was just ending when they right. got into it. So, yeah. We weren't military kids. They were done. They did the one tour and... No, yeah, they met on a base. I think I was born on the base and uh, in Virginia. And then right after they got out of the military, they went back to his hometown in Louisiana. But also growing up as kids with her, I felt like she did sort of guilt trip us a little bit about when it came to the, the divorce and like the, the way things were divided up custody-wise. There were moments there with a push and pull and things that were said that parents nowadays are more wiser too when they're dealing with the state of divorce and all that where they don't talk to their kids about certain things they don't say bad things about the other parent but that was not the case when we were growing up there was a there was a definite like both our parents were, were using us in ways how would that you say sh- that was the case like i do remember there being tension, I do remember mom not liking some of the things that we did with dad and vice versa. I do remember them making kind of slights towards the other's spouse as well. Dad definitely did. Yeah. Dad definitely would say some things that he yeah. shouldn't have said. Yeah. But there was one moment I remember we went to see our dad. Maybe it was for a, for a weekend. And we came back to mom and... There were these toys. I don't know if you remember this. I've told this story to you before, but you, you there were I these, only remember you telling me the story. There were these toys that, you know, when you're a kid, you you have an inventory of what you got. So right. if there's something new, you're like, wait. And there was these. They were used toys. They weren't new. They weren't packaged. They were something she picked up at some place that were used, but they were new to us. And I remember like, mom, whose toys are these? And she was like, they're, they're the toys for these kids that I have come over on the weekends when you guys leave. That's <laughs> messed up. Yeah. I, d- I do not remember that, Josh. Like, I, I work, again, like, I sometimes I'm worried, like, what, what damage was done during our childhood? Because I probably, I, no doubt I experienced that, but I dumped it. For whatever reason well obvious reasons but i dumped it because i don't remember that and i i while i remember there being tension between them like i think if you would have asked me hey did your parents use you as a pawn after they were divorced i would have been like no i don't think they did but but i know that they did like i know that that's that that's true i do i do remember there being some jealousy i do remember there being just a lot of disagreement on how mom was raising us and how dad was raising us between the two of them. Like I, I, I do remember that very, very vividly. So I know that existed for sure, but I think you were always more sensitive to that than I was. Yeah. That moment was definitely damaging to me because I remember going to bed crying. Yeah. I remember well, being in bed crying about like, there's these other kids that mom's having come over and I remember just fantasizing about, I'm going to go live with dad. I'm going to sneak out this window and I'm going to go, go live with dad. 
Yeah, maybe, I uh, I think maybe, I brought that maybe. up to mom one time. Uh, she I think she remembers it and feels bad about it. She remembers but doing it. I think so. Wow. Yeah. That uh, was not a good. That was not a good parenting tool. <laughs> no, no, that's that's not a feather in the cap there by any stretch. That and that was, dude. That was before. This is my point though about you saying that there was a marked difference with the concussion she had in that car wreck was she was doing shady stuff before that. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I guess I just think like, again, not, I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to come across as us saying that our mom is not smart, but I do think that after that accident, I did notice a change in her mental capacity to be able to, to be able to process information to be able to remember things, there was a difference there for me at least. Yeah, I'm sure there was, and there's also that was then when that wreck happened was along along the time that the marriage, second marriage, was going south. So there was probably just a lot of mental hexation going on throughout all that, compounded by a wreck. I bet like she got rear-ended, her head hit the steering wheel. Right, that's right. And, uh, Anyway, thinking about like her being happy though, because I don't, we're not, we're not doing this podcast to be like we, to talk about all the bad things or the wrong things that happened. But she seemed pretty happy in her second marriage early on. I don't know if you remember this, but like we talked about William being like this redneck, and I don't know if you remember, like mom kind of, that's when mom sort of really became a southern person. I think was in that second marriage. Do you remember in our in our dining room there was a picture of them that was on this little desk whatever and they both had these matching t-shirts of the band Alabama? Oh yeah, the, I remember that shirt because I kind of want one now. <laughs> it was the three quarter sleeve blue sleeve three quarter right. baseball shirt with Alabama on it. it yeah, tight. they were huge huge Alabama fans. Even even. I think they might have went to some concerts. I don't know. I think they did too. But yeah. that was that was sort of a soundtrack of our youth. There was Alabama. Dude, I, I, there's still songs. Sweet potato pie and shut my mouth. I still hear some of those songs, and I have song of the south. That's right, man. They were talented. There's no doubt they were talented. But you're right because not only did she more fully embrace that culture, like musically. But like you know, he was a hunter, and so we were we got into hunting as well. You know, four wheeler, you know that we, we had one of those. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely she was happy during that time. They seemed like they had a pretty a pretty good marriage in that in that time frame when we were still in Louisiana. And I think even when we moved to Maine at the beginning, you know, I think. I don't know. I guess it was still reasonably strong. I don't know how quickly things went south, but I think um, it went. I think he met that woman because he went up there before we did. I think he met her then. Oh, for real. So that whole time in in Maine was a falsity. Yeah, I do remember. I know we're getting off track here, but I do remember a huge disappointment that I had with him during that time. Was, really, you didn't say this last time when we were talking about it. I don't try to. Well, I just just it just brought me back because when we started talking about hunting, um, it reminded me of something. So like 
Yeah, killed. you killed a deer, man, a baby deer. Do you remember that? I killed a snipe. <laughs> no, it was yeah. a buttonhead, bro. Well, didn't have the the horns hadn't come out yet. It wasn't. A we baby. had to hide it. Do you remember? We had to hide it in the floorboard. What? You shot this deer. It was. You're not supposed to shoot anything that doesn't have horns. You're not supposed to shoot does. There is a day for that though. Right. Doe day. Okay. But you shot the deer. It was a male, but it was a buttonhead, what they call a buttonhead. And you, you weren't supposed to shoot it because we fl- we hit it in the floorboards of the truck. For real? Yeah. You don't remember that? I don't remember. I remember shooting it. I remember Do you remember – what were your feelings when you shot it, though? I was super excited because, yeah. because we were in that box stand, mm-hmm. and it actually – there were two deer. Yeah. It looked like they were probably twins. And I remember shooting it and it going down and like standing up in the box stand, like celebrating. And then I think William was, was like, stop, stop. Because I think either he wanted to shoot it or he was going to let, were you there? Yeah, I was there. Okay. Well then he was going to let you shoot it. And I think yeah. once I did that one, that it ran away. Cause literally I think when I shot it, it was like stunned and there's actually a second shot to be taken, but then I scared it off. Yeah, that that was a exciting time. It was. I remember because like going do the whole process of it, even not just killing a deer, which is you know some people are probably gonna think, well that's kind of cruel, but it is. But the whole process of like we had to get up really early in the morning, like four or five in the morning, drive it. It's dark. We drive into Arkansas into these deep dark piney woods. Yeah. Um, and then hike to this. Deer stand that's elevated and it's cold and you're sitting there and you have to be super still and quiet waiting for deer. Boring. The whole process, yeah, it's boring, but it was also exciting. The anticipation for yeah. sure. Yeah. So we get back with our contraband. Our deer. Yeah. That shouldn't have been shot. I'm just going to say it was a deer. It was a male deer. Yeah. And, the, and they – String it up in the neighbor's yard. Johnny Naff is his name. Yep. He was a fellow hunter. And they string it up in this tree in his backyard, and they cut it open. They gut it. Which, and they by the way, well, I think that's one of the highlights, too, of growing up. Was like That was a real community kind of feel. like Because it yeah. wasn't just like us and that family. Like People from all over the neighborhood came. Like It was like a kind of a celebration type deal. And I remember you know, being part of the the gutting, you know, the stripping of the deer. They smeared blood on your face. It was like Red Dawn, man. I was like, yeah. Wolverines, you know? Yes. It was a rite of passage. We're definitely a rite of passage. There's pictures of that somewhere, of your oh, bloody be. deer face. There's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like the, those, are, those early days of the marriage with that, I think mom was happy. We were happy, definitely. If mom was happy, we were happy, I guess. Probably like a, a domino effect, but I think she was really – it was a really good time, especially in that neighborhood. Do you have do you have memories – I know we talked about this before, that you only have like one memory of them – of mom and dad being married. Do you have memories of – what's your earliest memory of William, our stepdad? I think, I think my earliest memory would be when you started playing t-ball. You sent that picture – yeah. To me, Hank's TV. Hank's TV, baby. All these 
teams we played for had sponsors of <laughs> local Business. businesses. But you started playing T-ball. And I guess you were what? How old were you? Six? Well, that could, yeah, that, that, he, he wasn't, he wasn't there for that one. He was. No, because he that wasn't was, the coach or anything, but he, that's my first memory. He was on this, he was on the sidelines of that. I don't think he was part of Hank's TV. I think he was part of the next team, which you're, I don't know if you remember this one. John's jeans. No, no. The one before that. What was John's that? Jean, John's jeans was the actual uh, live pitch, but there was another T-ball. Oh, well, what's that? Spiller's Oil. Oh, yeah. I think that was the one. That was where he was part of. Okay, maybe I'm just getting it mixed up. I just remember you playing uh, Hank's Hank's TV, and you were up to bat or something, and I ran out onto the field. Do you remember that? (laughs) No, I don't. Like yelling, like rooting for you? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember where that was, too. Not specifically, but I remember the place, what it looked like. Do you remember where you – that field it what? didn't even seem like Bastrop. it was like somewhere out was it not one of the was it not one of the two fields in Bastrop? no it was like a practice game oh okay okay yeah i don't really yeah spiller's oil is like what is that was that when i started playing I too because so. i remember like i yeah i felt i had this feeling that they just kind of put me on there because i was your brother because i was I too think, young i think that was the case i think there were I think there was like special exceptions in that part, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, those were, I mean, those were fun times. I mean, and so, yeah, I think mom, well, she, I think she enjoyed it. And I think too, it probably, it probably was nice that she didn't have to work, you know? Because once they got together, she didn't have to work. Yeah, she became a, a housewife. Yeah. Remember those days too of school? I think you had gone off to middle school, junior okay. high. And I was like in fifth grade. Okay. And mom let me ride my bike to school. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And I remember I had, so we lived on this street that was not not a cul-de-sac, but there was like this cul-de-sac and then a, a street shot up a hill. And we had like cousins that lived up there, third cousins. Yeah. And I would take my bike that way, take it up that street, and that street would end and there was a dirt trail that went through this little piece of woods and i would go through that woods and boom there's the school and i remember like mom being pretty scared about it and i would have to call her as soon as i got i'd go into the office and say mom made it to school (laughs) no way and i remember like wanting to do that so like just wanting to hear her voice on the other end every day i would do that and like yeah i remember being jealous of that Riding the bike to school? Yeah, because I had always wanted to do that, and she wouldn't let me do it. And so, you know, when I went to Master Junior High East, which was seventh grade, you know, you had to take a bus. Because before that, she would would drive us to school every day. Yeah. So that was a big enough deal. I mean, being on a bus, which was was somewhat new. But I remember remember when she allowed you to do that, and I was like, man, I always wanted to do that. Because it was a pretty cool bike ride. You know, yeah, it was, was. especially coming remember. home because you had that big hill that you could come down. Yeah, I was just thinking, too, I don't ever remember the ride home. <laughs> I don't have memories. Of it. I was trying to think, like, do I remember? I kind of remember maybe the the way the sun was hitting things. But I just always remember the ride there because I, I would call her. Yeah. I remember thinking back on that as an adult, thinking, like, I was kind of a mama's boy. 
Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you were the youngest, so I think that's a natural inclination to kind of baby you a little bit. But I never thought that you were a mama boy. I just remember really being really close to her then. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So do you remember then? Because, I mean, essentially, like whenever whenever our parents got divorced, which I was like five, you were like three. And then mom gets remarried to our stepdad. I think I think I was like seven or eight, maybe nine, something like that. So then we moved to Maine. I was 12. You were 10. Do you remember that process? Like, do you remember the process of going to Maine and processing that and thinking through that? Yeah. So I was thinking that, you know, we would sort of end this episode at the point when we leave Maine and okay. pick up and talk about that whole move, you know, yeah. start the second, the second part of this with that. Okay. So, yeah, I remember going up to Maine. I think we went up there to, we went up there to visit once for two weeks when he was up there. I don't know if that's true, but I remember staying in that holiday Inn. Do you remember that in Augusta? I do, but I can't because there's a picture of me. Cause I had a birthday up there. My, I turned 10 up there. Yeah, but I thought we'd already moved because I we, maybe we, we had, but we stayed in a Holiday Inn for like a month before yeah, we, we moved. Ba- basically lived there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I remember that being like one of the funnest times ever because there was a pool. And, totally. and you know, for people that don't know, Maine gets hot and humid during the summer, and like living that hotel life and oh, dude, the summer. Awesome. Yeah, and there I don't know if you remember there was this place right next to the hotel called Friendly's. Dude, I remember it because their fried shrimp was legit. <laughs> also, they had like ice, ice cream. Yes. Yeah. They had, that was the first time I ever had peanut butter and ice cream. And I was like, what <laughs> in the world? <laughs> That's awesome. That, that changed my life. So, do you, so I'm, I'm, I don't remember going up there for a visit. Do you think that's what happened or do you think that was during the time? Maybe I'm just confusing it because I know he went up there before us. Okay. We may have. I mean, I don't I don't remember. I do I remember for sure the hotel. I remember living there. I think we've talked about this too privately. Like I remember um, you know, realizing that we had a different accent than people because of that lady at the pool. You remember that whole story? No. What happened? <laughs> okay, so I remember <laughs> we would go to the pool like every day and it was yeah. awesome. And we didn't just like get in the pool and swim. Like we were like active kids. So we were like throwing footballs and stuff and jumping off the side and catching them. And that's really, and I remember one time, I think I threw it to you and it was like a bad throw. So you didn't catch it. And it went, it went like out of, out of the pool area or out of the pool, like to where people were on like their lounge chairs and stuff like that. And it went, the ball like went under this lady's chair. So, like, I went over there kind of sheepishly to, to kind of get the ball. Like, I was afraid I'd disturbed her or whatever. And I was like, um, I think I said something like, ma'am, do you mind if I get the ball or if you, you you give me the ball? And she looked at me and she was like, what? And I was like, do you mind if you get me that ball? And she's like, what are you saying? And I, I said it again. And she literally was like, son, do you speak English? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. And I just remember at that point like realizing, oh, okay, 
Yeah, we are we are we are very different than the people around here for sure. I have a, some something similar. You know, I was in the sixth grade, and I think I think it was Hollowell, or maybe maybe when we had moved to Reedfield. But this teacher I had was calling roll call, and she called my name, and she was like. Josh Mayhall, and I go here, and she goes, save your Dixie cups, the South will rise again. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just from saying here. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was well in the, the, my time there, though. Okay. It wasn't like she immediately, I think, but she was, yeah, making a joke about me being from the South, for sure. Gosh. I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, what are you talking about? I just yeah. knew she was making fun of me. Yeah, that that was clear for sure. Which was fine, you know, like I can take a joke. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I, I do remember like that. I, I remember before we moved being at a baseball game that we were playing in and it was at Carter Park. And I guess it must have been would that have been that would have been John's would that have been John's jeans or that have been a different team? Yeah. Probably Woodman of the World was right I after. Think, yeah, I think it was that. <laughs> that was the green jerseys. Green and yellow, which I hated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that team was good though. Well, yeah, it was a good team. Aswald Nichols. Totally. Roland Benz. Yeah, oh no, yeah. that was a, wasn't that a one no, of No, he was on that team too. No, he was on because William would William would carry over these guys that he liked. Because we had, because Aswald was on John's jeans too. Yeah. Anyway, so I remember being at the ballpark, and we were in a game, and I remember it being our last game before we moved. And I remember like people on the team and in the crowd, like making comments about, you know, it's a shame that you guys are moving and that sort of thing. So that's really like the only memory I have of that process of moving. And then it's we're in the the hotel. I remember friendlies for sure. I do remember going to look for houses a lot. I yeah. remember like trying to find a house closer to where the paper mill was and all that area up there. I remember just feeling really depressed. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like Auburn yeah. was one of the name of the places we went to and like Waterville or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah, it was weird, really weird vibes. Yeah, it was. It was. But I, I don't remember... I don't remember having a conversation with them about it. I no. just remember it being that's what we're doing. And I knew, again, I think we talked about this, that it was like a, you know, it was a promotion for William. So it seemed like, you know, a good opportunity. That was part of yeah, it. he was making more money. It was a lot more from what yeah. I remember. Yeah. No, I think everybody was into it moving there, you know. Like as far as the four of us? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember mom being into it. Mom was in like wanting to go and. Well, I was going back east. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, I guess we come to a halfway point and we can talk more about Maine and leaving there and mom. Mom's sort of. That's when the wreck happened. That's when the second marriage dissolves or but, explodes. Would you say, though, up until this point where we're at now, how would you classify your relationship with mom? I was super close to her. Yeah. And loved her and like felt like she was a good mom. I would wow, say the same feel? thing. I would, I'd say the same thing. I mean, I would say the exact same thing. I remember getting into a fight because someone said something about her. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. 
Because is that guy's name Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Shaw. Yeah, that guy was a jerk. <laughs> That's that guy. Yeah, because he because he said something. Yeah, uh, I remember that. It was like a hayride. It was on that hayride thing, right? Well, that was the initial fight. There was a, there was like a second incident as well. Like so, yeah, we were we were at our neighbor's thirteenth birthday party. Yeah. Nicole, she had turned thirteen, and so a bunch of kids from my class and kids from the neighborhood were invited. Yeah, it was a big bonfire hayride kind of a deal, and we were we were chicken fighting. Somebody gets on someone's uh, back or shoulders, and you're trying to knock the other person down. Yeah. And I, I, I was on one person's shoulders, and he, he was a big guy, so he was carrying another person sh- on his shoulders. And I think, you know, I knocked them down, or we knocked them down or something, and he didn't take too kindly from it. And he jumped me from behind and got on top of me. And then I just started like wailing on him. I was on my back and I was just wailing on him, wailing on him, wailing on him. He was holding me down and uh, like trying to choke me or whatever. And um, and then people like came and like pulled him off of me. And mom was one of those people. So I don't know how many weeks later, but we were in school and it was a day where it was like rainy. So we couldn't go outside for like free time. And we were in the gymnasium. And I remember, I remember them like playing a bunch of music in the gymnasium. It was when Salt and Pepper's "Push It" had come out, and I remember oh, that yeah. song was going on in the background. Yeah. And um, I don't know how we got into it, but somehow we started arguing. Me and the same guy, Paul, and because um, we were both on the same basketball team too. Like so. Yeah, like, he was like a big, big kind of burly dude. He was. I mean, we were like yeah. we were like best friends and like. Yeah, I know. But he but was anyway. not nice. I remember like when that thing happened at the hayride. Scott Buffington was there, and Scott Buffington was a, a friend of ours that lived in our neighborhood. He lived a couple houses down. We were really close to him. Yep. And he was from a strange family, but I remember when that happened at the hayride, and he was like, "Oh man, I wish that was me," because he didn't like Paul. Right. No, wanted, because. Like, there was the, get some the, I mean, in. Again, small town like they were there was also like baseball rivalries because Scott yeah. was pretty good at baseball and so was yeah. Paul. Yeah, so we're like in this gym and I don't know, we're getting into it somehow. And um he said something like I remember him like cussing at me. He's like, I'd have kicked your ass if your big fat mom hadn't pulled me off. Wow. And I lost it and I yeah. just punched him right there in the face. Yeah. He was so shocked, and I think everybody around us was so shocked, like nothing happened. And I remember just looking at him and just getting up and walking away. And that was like the end of it. Nothing ever happened after that. Good for you. So the whole point of that was I felt similar to you. Like I felt protective. I felt like it was a good relationship, you know, very loving, very caring for sure. I think that's a great place to end this, man, like you just punching a guy in the face. (laughs) <laughs> for talking to S about your mom. That's right. <laughs> it's the way we roll back in LA. <laughs> F Paul Shaw, if you're listening to this. But <laughs> he liked you. <laughs> I'm sure he's a reasonably nice guy now. <laughs> I'm sure he is. But if you're not, <laughs> I'm coming for you, man. That's right. There's more where that came from. Yeah, we're going to call Scott Buffington up, too. He's going to get some licks in. That's right. 
right. He might listen to this. Mom still talks to his mom. Yeah, I, I'm I'm friends with him on Facebook actually. Yeah, he's a super Batman freak. He is. He just retired from the Navy actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll end it here with mom in her second in the midst of her second marriage. We moved to Maine. We'll pick up in the second part when that marriage ends and we move from there because that's an interesting story and needs to be talked about. So thank you for listening. Do you have any last words? No, just again, appreciate just this conversation. Cause as you said, like this has just been, it, it's good to continue to highlight just the, the, the different experiences that we have, but then it's also encouraging to see the common ground that we've got as well. Yeah. It's been almost like therapy for me. I mean, I know you have like your own, processes of going through stuff and you have the church and you have your wife and you got you you've been to to plenty of therapy but for me this is like a a therapeutic type of cathartic thing for me you know to talk about this stuff every two weeks no i agree it's been it's been good for me too i mean it's it's definitely made me feel just more compassionate for our family in general and um and i think that's a good thing so okay so Thank you for listening to the first part of Mother, which will be it'll be titled Mother. It's our fourth episode of My Brother's Deeper, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.